I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And I'm not going away with some dirty Norman punts to spit all over me. When he spits over me, I'm Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Happy New Year, dear listeners. Welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. This is the first show of 2017, featuring, of course, the last couple of games of 2016. A double edition for you today, dear listener. First up in today's proceedings going to have coverage from the um, Boxing Day game, the 2-0 win over Swindon Town at the Den, closely followed up by coverage from the Friday Night Lights game versus Gillingham, 2-1 win. We'll follow that with some comment between myself and Omar Ronane on both games. And finally, just to give you a little um, New Year's treat, a little bit of conversation, the randomizer section this week features our Australian Millwall fan Jimmy Webb, long, long-standing fan, known to a good few of listeners of this show, in which we discuss a random selection of um, Millwall matches from the past as generated by the online number generator. So I really hope you enjoy this show. Thank you all for your support and your good and kind comments over the course of 2016. Glad you're enjoying the podcast. Stay with us. I think 2017 is going to be a big year for Millwall Football Club, and um, I really appreciate all of the very kind comments and messages that have been sent so thank you all very much and on with the show Achtung, Mailball. Well, Boxing Day, good afternoon to you dear listener, here we are well, fading some beautiful sun, sunny day earlier on at the den fading a little bit now as the nights draw in this time of the year Welcome to Achtung Millwall, my name is of course Nick Hart and we're here for the Boxing Day visit of the Robins from Swindon Town Lions naming an unchanged side from the fantastic power win over Cholton last, um, was it last Wednesday night, um, pre-Christmas That's, you know, seems a different age, pre-Christmas, only last Wednesday night, five days ago here we are again, Boxing Day for what we hope is not the after the Lord Mayor show non-parade in goal today we're going to have Jordan Archer, back line's going to be Hutchinson and Webster on the left will be Craig, on the right will be Sean Cummings to retain his place. Did very well against uh, Charlton, I felt. In the middle we've got Williams and Thompson. On the wings will be Onya Dimmer and O'Brien up front, of course, dynamic duo. Steve Morrison and Lee Gregory. Now apologies if I sound a little bit nasal. Do I sound nasal? I, I feel a bit nasal. 
somehow managed to acquire a head cold. Uh, silly little runny nose type job, you know how it is. So apologies, the old nose sounds a little bit bunged up. Can't help it. And also if I sound a little bit unsettled, there's a bloke sitting in my seat. Nothing, nothing bothers you more than someone sitting in your seat. Do you get like that? I do. Anyway, um, so I'm further down today. I'm sitting amongst the bird shit on the... Um, on the entrance level as you come into the ground. I really do think the place needs a good steam clean Millwall Football Club if you're listening. Swindon in all red today. The, the, the goalkeeper, oddly, I think, I think he should change his shirt at least, has got a kind of a very closely related pink fuchsia, I would say. That's fuchsia. Very closely related to the uh, Swindon red. It be very confusing. I think the referee should uh, have him over on that. Lions in their blue and white stripes, of course. Sparse crowd today. Um, Boxing Day used to be one of the highlights, and I read on on the net how fantastic it is. Boxing Day football. Um, I agree with that, incidentally. But it'd be nice to see a few more bodies in here before the uh, too far into the game, just to prove what a wonderful draw Boxing Day football is and how it is the majesty of English football. Maybe everyone's at home wearing their new virtual reality headsets that I read are all the rage now. Virtual reality. Um, one chap on the House of Fun reckon they're good for porno. Um, Every great advance in human civilization seems to be good for Paul. Anyway, game's about to kick off. Morrison will take it all the way back. Lions attacking the uh, away end, the north stand. Swindon will be attacking the Coldblow Lane, and I reckon there's probably about 8,000 there. Cold afternoon. Cold than you think it is when you come out in the, in the sunny weather. A lot of amusing comments on the internet after the, uh, in the aftermath of the Charlton 3-1 victory last week. I got myself in broad. I don't usually do this, but got myself involved in a... Conflab online with a bloke called Henry Irving, Charlton wanker. I seem to be of the opinion, it'll swing the attack before I go too far about Henry Irving, the wanker. This is a 22 from outside penalty, that's blocked shot. Seem to be obsessed with um, Excel spreadsheet style uh, com comparisons of size between Charlton and Millwall. Um, I think it was a wind-up, I think it actually meant some of it. Um, wage, wage turnovers and Excel spreadsheet to show what a big club they are. What utter, utter tosh, I, I, I don't know, but maybe he fell in love with um, the accountancy books when he went to Charlton first off, I don't know. But there's a lot of that knocking around the internet. Highly amusing as it is, because they can't beat us, can they? We're back there again in three weeks' time. One thing did amuse me on the uh, news at Den, they have like a view from opposition page, and there's a Swindon fan going on there, I don't know what his name is, don't really care. Um, they ask for who's, who's the player to fear on the Swindon side. And uh, he says there isn't really a town player to fear. Viggs, who is apparently the goalkeeper, Lawrence Vigneroux, has drast dramast drastically improved in goal. It's been immense. So maybe we should fear the goalkeeper. Um, apart from that, he says there's no one else. Which all sounds rather depressing. Some uh, doom-laden words for Neil Harris, for one, one or two members of the squad. And a story on the news at Den about um, transfer window, the transfer window looming, saying that uh, he wants to recruit at least two new players, and that time has run out, opportunities have run out, sorry, for some players within his squad. Harris says, I think January is really up in the air for a lot of clubs. There's going to be a little bit of toing and froing until late on, so possibly late in the month, one or two signings. Uh, there will be people thinking if they can get a player in, they can let another out, which makes sense. One in, one out. There are, a lot, there are going to be a lot of clubs vying for similar players. Do we need to add to our squad, says Harris, critically? Yes, to give us strength and impetus, he says. And then a rather odd paragraph in some respects. So that, and he's been critical in public, hasn't he, Neil Harris, of late, of, of members of the squad. Um, but this, this struck me as well. Young players often understand that they need to be taken out. But if you don't have someone knocking on the door, pushing to go in, I can't leave that young player out. I can't quite make sense of that. So I think there's a criticism of those who are not members of the first team, who are not exactly pounding on his on his uh, manager's office door to get into the team. 
um, which possibly speaks of their lack of ambition. I, I would read into that. Long ball forward, launched by Jordan Archer from inside the middle half. Falls to Fred inside a penalty. Gregory with him. Gregory turns. There's one. Neil beautiful finish by Lee. Gregory on 10 minutes. Take and turn inside the box. Launch forward from Jordan Archer. Fred was involved. Falls to Lee Gregory. Swivels like Gerd Muller in his prime. Where is it? 1 0 Millwall. Have a watch of it now, Fred's involved in it and a beautiful take, it powered past that goalkeeper for 1-0. Um, low shot, goalkeeper couldn't hold on to it, straight into the net, 1-0. There you go, Lee Gregory. Here's uh, Morrison on the right-hand side, he's gone for a throw-in. Morrison speaking about his potential coaching career on the news at Den in the week. An interesting move, I mean, it's a logical move, he seems to have been a, uh, a player that's kind of come on a lot, hasn't he, in his, his latter years here at the Den, the third spell of course here at the Den um, and he does seem to have come back a much more mature player, one that more willing to give of himself to others even if it is to pull them up on occasion on the field of play, uh, so yeah an intro, I can see him in that role, I can see him in the uh, role of coach, management possibly, who knows, um, good luck to him uh, how many more years has he got left in him at, at this level I don't know, maybe a couple of more years perhaps and then almost certainly be looking to uh, move into the next phase of his career Good luck to him. Been a fantastic acquisition this third time around, Steve Morrison. Coming up towards 20 minutes, Lions clearly in control. Um, since the goal has gone in, they've sat back. Swindon are having more possession since that goal. Uh, Lions looking to soak it up and almost certainly hit them on the counter, as, as, as is the, uh, the classic style for this season. 20 minutes gone. Sean Williams on the right-hand side. He floats it in. Central is towards um, Hutchinson. Off the line, off the line. Headed off the line. Uh, hooked off the line rather from the head of Sean Hutchinson. Full trade in the Brian now on the, on the left hand side. Almost 2 0 there, but um, Swindon defender did very well to get something on it. This is Aidan O'Brien, flicks it through. Left hand side ball back across the box. It falls to Lee Gregory. Back to goal. Can't work in Steve Morrison on his, or to his right. I can see a free kick. 30 minutes. Big moment there for the Lions to go. Almost went 2 0 up. The game settled into a pattern really of. Um, Swindon have a lot of possession of the ball, Mill sitting behind it, and then looking to hit them on the break, as is our uh, want. Long ball forward here, as I'm talking to you, towards Lee Gregory. Cleared up in the end by the Swindon defenders. They're not pre they've not shown much for me, Swindon. Um, Lions, went, they've had two opportunities really, one scored, one hooked off the line, so um, that's the story of the first half so far. Here's Ben Thompson. Nice little 1-2 with Fred. Right-hand sided ball is... Aidan O'Brien almost on the bullet header inside the six-yard box there. That's um, put behind for a goal kick. Almost, almost, almost a fantastic opportunity for Aidan O'Brien. 35. So there we are, half-time. Lions comfortably in control. Let's be honest with each other. Um, which probably should be at least two, possibly three, arguably, ahead. As it is only the one single goal which is um, enough, but uh, not enough for comfort. As it is, Lions lead it 1-0 at a break. Um, Swindon haven't shown as much, but as we know through to our cost this season, these poor teams can sometimes steal a goal. So Lions will uh, want to improve on that lead in the second half. So there we are, going to be right back after these messages. Achtung, Mailball. A few half-time tweets for you, dear listener. Tom S says Swindon are another third division team trying to play tippy-tappy Barcelona tribute football the level they're playing at should be a clue says Tom John Kelly of the uh, News of Den Southern News says it's been comfortable 
for Millwall, but Swindon have had the ball in good areas enough times to consider a threat. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd go, go with that, John. Um, no real danger, but certainly when they get forward, um, you don't exactly feel um, totally uh, comfortable with the situation. Lions Alive Radio says, hopefully we don't rue Mr Chances, but it's been pretty comfortable so far. Mark Mitchfield, lovely goal from Gregory. Real strikers finished, deservedly in the lead, but we have to be more ruthless. This game should be done and dusted by now, says Mark. Sam Brown says a good first half for Sam. The Lions should be in front by more than one goal. Achtung, Mehlball. So there we go, listeners. That's half time. Light is falling rapidly now. Floodlights are brilliantly on. Pitch illuminating green under the, uh, the fluorescent light. Are they, are they fluorescent lights or are they not neon lights, are they? I don't know. What, what does it, what, maybe someone knows out there what, what kind of floodlights that are these? Are they. Who gives a shit, actually? Why am I even worrying about it? Here come the Lions. Swindon are going to be attacking the north stand, away end. In the second half, Lions are going to go towards the Coldblow Lane end. I gave the old periscope a go at half time. Mickey put me onto it. I said, You may have seen it from the Charlton game the other night. We've got quite large numbers for that. Less, less for today's little half time report I just did. I don't know. Tell me what you think of that. Do you like this periscope malarkey? It's got a kind of. Um, it's an edgy quality because you're broadcasting live TV to the world. So it's um, certainly living on the edge of the cliff. Um, it's quite a difficult thing to do because you have to stop and think what you're saying. Um, but you know, there's no room for, um, for error, no edit facility. facility. But let me know what you think of it. If you like it, we'll probably carry on doing it. If you don't, then we'll kill it. 46 minutes gone. Um, ball down at the Swindon end of the month, throwing for Swindon. First real attack from Swindon, first half in the, in the second half, 50 minutes. They win a corner on the right-hand side. Lions have shown much more urgency about their play at the start of the second half, but this is a corner now for Swindon as the, for their first opportunity to break out of defence, really. So it's going to be a chance for them to lump it into the middle. Still got to be careful. They've not been um, that dangerous, but um, it only takes one moment, doesn't it? And it comes. It's a 29-3 header almost. It's just like the cross was actually too high for him. No mill defender on him at all, which is worrying. Swindon looking a little bit more dangerous. Here they come again. Ball forwards. The ref strike and take. That's oh, that was a massive chance. 35 had a massive chance. Little direct ball through. He took it and shot almost in one movement in front of goal. Wide of the right post. Huge chance goes begging for Swindon. Should have been buried. Should have been buried. Massive chance for Swindon now on 60, 61 minutes. Gregory down the right side trying to find Fred wins a corner, 61 minutes. It'd be nice to, to settle this, put this to bed. Unbelievable, the cell chip is working on Boxing Day. There's a rubbish lorry just pulled in there. How about that? This is the detail you don't get on other podcasts. I've just seen a rubbish lorry exiting from the incinerator that overlooks the ground. A charming feature of New Bermondsey, incidentally, if you're listening in the British Virgin Islands. Wonderful um, heat-generating, rubbish-burning incinerator. In comes that corner from the left-hand side. It's free header. Free header. Who was that? Webster. Morrison, I think. Morrison, excuse me. Free header put wide. Real retaining possessions is Tony Craig, more central now. Floats it wide right towards Steve Morrison. Who wins the ball, falls to Fred. What can Freddie do? Back to goal, back to Morrow. Who floats it across the area. Bear it home by Lee Gregory. 2-0. Fantastic goal. Take with a plum. Beautiful little move, actually. Headed back across the uh, face of the Swindon goal. Falls to Lee Gregory, who buries it and hopefully puts this game to bed. Let's watch it again on the replay as I'm talking to you. Fred does well, retains possession. Possession. Morrison throws it across and is buried from close range on the volley by Lee Gregory. There you go.
goal. Nicely worked goal, actually. Gregory had marks in front of him for the six-yard box, but it's got to be put away, and he did. Very, very nicely done. That's a lot more comfortable feeling now, dear listener. I can tell you that much for nothing. I'll tell you what, it's been a pretty good Christmas so far for Mill fans. Six points out of six, if this stays the same. As we go past the 79th minute, this is um, O'Brien on the left-hand side, as I'm talking. A little deflected cross, that's going to be headed clear. Six points out of six, with um, Friday night game looming versus Gillingham. 82 and a half, going to be a middle corner, right-hand side. Right-hand side into the near post, that's off, a oh, beautiful save. Flick header close from, uh, from Lee Gregory, from Ben Thompson, excuse me. Beautiful save from that goalkeeper, take your hat off to that, gut, that save there by the number one fuchsia-clad Swindon goalkeeper, that was world-class, I'm just watching the replay, little flick header close, that was fantastic save. Wow. Top um, right-hand corner, power header from close. Somehow the goalkeeper got a hand to it. Here comes Worrell on the break on 82 minutes. He's got O'Brien overlapping him on his right side. Fred's in the middle. O'Brien slots it across. It's Fred. He's off the post. Unlucky is Worrell on the rebound. It's picked up on a goalkeeper. 89 minutes. Unlucky Fred there. There was a surging run down through the centre. Nice little cross in from the right side by Aidan O'Brien. Fred hits the post from close range. Instinctive contract. Probably should have buried it as it was another inch and it would have been buried. There we are. Last few seconds of the game, ticking down the listener. Nothing much has happened in this injury time apart from the substitution of Callum Butcher. Coming in there's the final whistle. 2-0 win, functional win really for Millwall. A little bit of a wobbly start, start of the second half. Two fantastic goals scored by Lee Gregory to uh, Deadenberry Swindon. Um, so that's a great continuation of the Christmas period for the Lions. Six points out of six so far, going since the Charlton game. Beautiful win for Millwall. Meine Damen und Herren, Achtung, Millwall. Welcome back to Achtung Millwall. Welcome back after the break, dear listener. What's that Led Zeppelin track? Misty Mountain Hop. Well, tonight is Misty Foggy Den. As foggy as I've ever known it here at Zamba Road, anyway. We're awaiting the entrance of the two teams for the Millwall Gillingham 30th of December Friday night lights game. Is this a derby match? Is Gillingham a derby game? They'd love it to be a derby. Does it feel like a derby game to you, dear listener? It doesn't quite for me. It feels a bit like when we played Brighton or um, Reading or somewhere, you know. Certainly a local side, but in no way, shape or form a derby, as I would understand the term. I think Gillingham love it, love the idea that they are a, a rival club to us. And if it sustains them, keeps them warm in the night, in those lonely hours, about three o'clock in the morning when you're wide awake and nothing to do but uh, think about such matters then yeah, alright, have it. If you must have it, have it. I don't, I don't think we can regard it as a rivalry. But if you do, Gillingham, you uh, make love to it overnight, all on your own. Unchanged Millwall side, tonight's game. So in goal tonight, we have, uh, once again, Jordan Archer, back line of Hutchinson and Webster. It's been looking quite strong. Uh, on, on the left side, we've got Tony Craig in his newfound role, or his old role, newly found again. And on the right, uh, Sean Cummings in the middle. Ben Thompson, Sean Williams, Anya Dimmer on the wing, Oprah on the wing up front, Lee Gregory, Steve Morrison. Achtung, Mehlball. So nice crowd, probably about, well, it's half to in the mist. I'm going to pretend it's full up, it's not full up. It's good atmosphere though, as you can hear. 
this McCartney and Lennon number seems to work out quite well. Is it a, is it a new band? So they made it on the X Factor. They've certainly got a catchy little lick there, that's for sure. Swindon wearing all red tonight. Lines in their familiar blue and white stripes this season. I've been bashing away on the old periscope. I've become a bit addicted to it. I knew when Mickey said to me on um, the Charlton game, give periscope a try, I've been rather like um, Class A drugs all my life. I kind of avoided them, so I know if I did get into them, I'd get badly into it, you know? And same principle with, with periscope. I've always been wary of any kind of visual medium, television, and live TV, raw and uncut, which is basically what Periscope is. I know as soon as I give it a go, I'll be addicted to it. I'm fucking addicted to it now. So blame Mickey Simpson of the AMS. Yes, he's to put up a good fight on behalf of the club, but the man's a pusher, a Periscope pusher. He's not here tonight, and as you, as you think, you'd probably tell by my, my glib, free and easy talk about him. Tell me if you like it. It's quite hard to do. I'm, I, I keep weighing up various ideas with the Periscope. I've got various things I want to do with it. Um, as I say, it is raw, it's uncut, so you have to forgive a little bit of um, roughness around the edges, but I do see a potential for, for stuff with it. So uh, anyway, maybe more of that in, in 2017 after the New Year's all over. We'll see what we can do with it. Here come the two teams now lining up. Decent sound inside the den for, I reckon it must be about 10,000 crowd here. Mind 10,000. Achtung, Mehlball. Swindon to kick us off, attacking a cold blow. Millwall obviously pushing towards the away in the first half and will be attacking that cold blow lane end in the second half. Always a major advantage for us. I think, the, I think some of the chaps have been on the sauce all day looking around me. I think it was the man in block 11 posted how uh, heaven on earth is a, a night fixture on a day off with no, no reason to get up the next day on the back end of it. That's, that's heaven on earth for the man in block 11. And I make him right. Early ball forwards from Ben Thompson towards Lee Gregory chasing it down. Hooked away overhead by the 19. Some interesting comments on the news at Den from um, Sean Hutchinson, our, our central defender, who's obviously suffered the early part of the season with injury, but has now established himself as our first-choice go-to central defender. The 50 just loses out in midfield. But he's talking about the Route 1 thing. We'll go Route 1, he says, and Swindon, uh, speaking about the Swindon match, uh, play nice football, he says. But there's a time and a place to do certain things, says Sean. The way they played was straight, played straight into our hands, and I thought we dealt with them very well. In other words, Mill play, game-planned, for Swindon to have the ball a lot and to hit them on the once, on the one ball, effectively in that game as it turned out. It's odd to see the mist hanging in the air, the, the floodlights opposite in the in the east stand, Kitchener stand, the docker stand, excuse me. Um, seems to be almost like the, 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 the floodlights are holding this kind of shimmering kind of net curtain up, it's, it's fog in the air. You can From here you can see down onto the pitch reasonably clearly it's not really obscured I'm taking it at pitch level it's a bit easier because the referees started the game so therefore it must be visible for him three minutes gone a little bit of early possession for Gillingham they're spraying a ball wide from Josh right there onto the left hand side a little bit of passing around the edge of our penalty area Lions come into today's game ninth if we win tonight I did read we can go sixth because of the um, split of uh, fixtures between tonight and tomorrow Gillingham coming to it in 16th position on 30 points with four points ahead of them 34 as cold and as foggy a night as this is, my mind was turning back a few years, back to, was it 2001? Um, that immense, um, was it a two-all draw in our promotion championship winning season back in the old uh, well, third division, whatever it was, second division, I think it was called, it was the third tier, when we finished ch uh, league champions in 2000, 2001. 
and we played Gillingham at the time. I think there was 17,000 crowd in here. It was a, a beautiful hot day. Um, I think the Lions rushed to an early Harrison Moody opening 2-0 lead and then the Jules kind of clawed their way back and they finished two each. Um, huge day and it's just one of those um, standout memories of a dramatic game. A huge kind of season, one of the more enjoyable that I've ever ever had as a Mill fan and uh, that game just ran from my mind driving over here actually in the car through the mist and the traffic and the cold. This is Fred on the right hand side. Fred cuts it back across the Chilling on penalty, it's gone for a corner, 11 minutes. So it's going to be Sean Williams that takes on the right-hand side. It's curving inwards. Off the line, off the line from Hutchinson. The goalkeeper flaps at it, one-fisted, missed it. Hutchinson kind of bundled it rather than headed it, and it was cleared off the line in the event. On, uh, just coming up to now towards the 12th minute. Ball dinked back in again. Throw it through, this is Gregory's 1-0. Lee Gregory with a little head down. Gregory slams home in the authentic Lee Gregory style. Greg Muller too. Little bit of a flick header on. The ding back in from that first chance. Gregory slams home in the melee. One that nil Millwall. Ball ding back falls from the right hand side on the replay. It flips on there. Falls to the league. Gregory. A moment of strides freedom and he belts it home. Real quality finishing from Lee Gregory. The boy is worth his weight in gold to us in gold terms. That's a great start from the Lions. Well, that's put the crowd in good, good cheer. Festive good cheer. 13 minutes on the clock. Well, reading Sean Hutchinson's comments, I mean, he was talking about how the uh, team gameplay to give possession to the other side, then nick it off them with a critical challenge or a critical moment as they as they look to shoot and then build the break. It sounds like um, this game plan is, is very much um, working for this, this set of players. And um, that goal there was coming from that, from that stable. It was, it was a ball straight back into the, the deadly duo, um, Morrison and, and, and uh, Lee Gregory in this particular case who's finishing like he's on, he's on fire at the moment. He really, I keep going on about Gerd Müller because that's the reference point in terms of Fulham's have a little moment there. He'll head it down from Steve Morrison trying to find Gregory. Um, for me, as a, as a kid, Gerd Müller was the, uh, the reference point for, for quality, ruthless finishing. And um, that's who I think of when I see Lee Gregory take these chances. Mickey's joined me. He had, a, he had a bit of a mishap there, Mick. You left your card at home, mate. Yeah, yeah, I, I got attacked by the uh, Lewis and Fort. <laughs> you were frisked by this mystery girlfriend. That's it, that's it. <laughs> He's bodily searched and had his car taken off him by the Lewis and Fort. Not really, it's all made up, it's all... Uh, I was a little... No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> all bobbing around inside the mill penalty area, it falls to the 19. Can he get a shot? It's deflected up and high. Archer can't take and cleared away in the event. Little moments panic there, 17 minutes. Thompson on the break here. Little ball forward, offside, Lee Gregory, offside. 17, 18 minutes offside. The flag went up instantly, that ball was put through there. Another little opportunity though for Lee Gregory. Just a yard too far in the event. Coming for the halfway point in the first half. It's been um, the ideal start for the Lions with that early goal, that fine finish there from Lee Gregory. Um, otherwise, it's been a fairly scrappy game. The usual process of possession for the opposition and the Lions taking a direct route but so far so good 1-0 for Millwall at the halfway point in the first half Julian back on the attack a little sense of something building here I don't like that sense I want it to go away it's a ball on the edge of the mill penalty back into the middle that runs through Jill Narcher collects Simples 
atmosphere's flattened slightly. There's not been a huge amount of um, dramatic action to, to cheer on. Um, and the atmosphere's just slightly dropped. It's a little loose ball there, as I'm saying this. This is Aidan O'Brien in the centre. Got Steve Morrison on the inside of him. Ball through, trying to find Lee Gregory. Just a little bit um, underweighted. Picked up by the, by the Gillingham defend, de a little defender there. 88, 38 minutes. There's a bloke, just a few. I'll speak quietly. He's watching the dance on his phone. <laughs> Four, five, six along to the right. So it shows there's a measure of how exciting the game's got. Um, when he's watching the dance... Must be live on his on his sky go. Just one minute of injury time. Oh, I nearly called it overtime. I know that annoys people out there. Um, I was reading online today about Americanisms creeping back into English, and I fall foul of it. So uh, apologies. It's injury time, not overtime. There's the half-time whistle, dear listener. One nil Millwall at the break. Um, lines deservedly in front on balance we have absorbed pressure upon pressure as is our style we've hit them on the break when we have broken out defense we've scored and we've looked dangerous on each occasion uh, beautiful finish i'm just looking at the um, finish on the screens i'm talking to you by lee gregory that's been the difference between these two sides so there we are half time mill one gillingham nil Meine Damen und Herren. Both teams out for the second half. Lions going to be attacking the cold blow lane end. Gillingham coming at their away end. Mist is certainly cleared. A lot less um, in the air now than it was in the first half. The way we go, as you can hear. We not see a little bit more direct play from the Lions in the second half. We, we sat back um, a little bit too much. I, I, I do get that we are playing three games inside a week and will be a fourth game on Monday of course so it's a huge uh, workload for the club so um, you know I can see to a degree why the, the side would take it easy but nevertheless a second goal will be a really nice uh, comfort comfort zone this is of course the last game of 2016 a dramatic year for in many different ways dramatic from the Millwall perspective what with that uh, playoff final defeat back in May but a great surge to get there so Dramatic good and dramatic bad, really. Um, this, this season so far has not been quite as, as exhilarating as that surge towards the, the playoffs was last season. But um, overall, from a Millwall perspective, I'm leaving aside the, um, the Brexit vote, the Trump vote, the Bowie death, the, all the other deaths that have happened, uh, George Michael and everything else. But from a Millwall perspective, I don't think 2016 has been too bad a year. We are, of course, engaged in this current life and death struggle for the car park, the use of the car park, the regeneration, which um, anyone that follows us online or the AMS online will know all about. Um, lots and lots of information, Mick, going out at the moment on your Twitter feed. Loads of it, loads um, of it. We're, we're digging, mate. We were, look, at the end of the day, we've got to keep them on the yacht. And their biggest mistake they ever done, mate, was uh, they shouldn't have pulled the lion's tail. Absolutely. Unfortunately, behind that line is a lot of people. And there's a lot of people who think, you cheeky bastards, we're, um, we ain't going nowhere. We're going to go down fighting. If we're going to lose, then it's it Millwall hurt. mentality. It will hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're I mean, going to take people with us. It's hurting at the moment. There's a lot of information on... If you go on the AMS feed on Twitter... If you want um, to find us on Twitter, by the way, just type in AMS Millwall and you'll, you'll see us. We'll pop up and probably the top one or something. You'll see loads of information, loads of company balance sheets, the amount of info that uh, Mickey and, and people who are assisting him, we won't... Um, 
name them. I don't know them, actually. All I know them is... He's I'm the only person who knows them. If, if Mickey goes under a bus, we're, we're slaughtered. Um, and there's loads more, Mick, that you can't really discuss and won't discuss at the moment. But we can expect more um, information as this thing ticks down towards the 11th of January, the critical... Oh, definitely. The critical night at Catford Tunnel. Oh, definitely, definitely. And if, and if the Lewisham Four are listening... The Lewisham Four. Then, um... Is that a competition? Name the Lewisham Four. Have anyone named them? Well, I'll name two of them for him. <laughs> two of them are Mustak Malik okay. and David Sullivan, or, or David Paul Sullivan, as he likes to be known, David and, and Mustak Hussein, Hussein Malik. Okay, there's um, two out of four. But they do like dropping their middle names on various directorships, allegedly. <laughs> um, but there's two of them. There goes Fred. Body checked on the halfway line. Milkrad howling on 49 minutes, 50 minutes. He, he done well, he, he done he, well. Proper shoved the geezer out of it, but he, he done well. Again, a little quiet start to the half. First break forwards from the Lions. Free kick on the, on the halfway line. Free kick from Byron. Lofted forwards, aiming at Steve Morrison in amongst the mix. That is Ada Bryan bundled away from the chance inside the area. Little crowd howling for penalty, and they're not going to get it. There's a little flick header on from Steve Morrison. Aidan O'Brien was following it up. Bundled off the ball, as it seemed to me. 51 minutes. I confess to a slight bias in these matters. I was in a, a, a county court case once in my line of work where the district judge's name was Cummings, and we had a person in the, uh, in the dock uh, for rent arrears, the, the, the defendant, and they could not stop laughing. Well, given the seriousness of the situation, I couldn't quite fathom that. I could not quite stop laughing at the DJ Cummings. They just found it intensely amusing. Um, they, 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 they had a possession order against them, so it didn't do them any good in the end, but they, they just went into hysterics when they heard the name. I think they were a little bit buzzed up on something when they went in there. It's like, I, I, I started my working career working in merchants, plumbing merchants. Uh -huh. I used to be managers of them, and still to this day it makes me die when someone comes in and asks for a strap on. <laughs> Is that his name? Yeah, it's basically the bit. It's a, it's a fitting what goes around of soil pipe. Oh, it's an actual so fitting. You can put, so you can put it's extra a pipe part. into it. It's well, a not a boiler part, but it's a, it's a plumbing part. But yeah, of course it, it is. Tight, yeah. <laughs> it goes Fred. While we're worried about strap-ons, Morris over now. Fred wanted too much time. 52 minutes. He, he, the, the thinking side of the game sometimes gets away from him a little bit there without being too patronising for the boy. Um, he, had, he had Morrison overlapping him. He had Gregory loose and just wanted that extra second or three too long from a ball. Beautiful long ball. Seeks out Fred. His flick header goes the wrong way. Crowd just starting to get a little bit on Fred's back. He's made a couple of errors. He's an instinctive player rather than a thinking player. Free kick there for uh, a foul on Lee Gregory. Right-hand side, 57 minutes. Long throw-in from the right-hand side. It's bobbling around. It comes off of Byron's bum. Over on the right-hand side, ball into the mix. Headed clear, shot taken comfortably enough. A little daisy cutter, no real power behind the shot. Volley from the outside of the penalty area by uh, taken easy enough by Joel Narcher. You could have shot that up. Mick said I could have put more power on that shot. I'm not sure I could have done, actually. <laughs> Ball in, this is Fred. What can Fred do? He's clattered. Morrison finishes from close. Morrison steps aside to let Fred get it. Fred, Fred sorry. Confusion reigns. Morrison stepped aside. Fred got a rebound. Let's watch the replay. I missed that entirely there. Fred got it in. And Morrison stepped past it to let it go. He didn't do the tapping. What? There goes Fred through the mix. Goalkeeper clatters in. He stands up. It seems to come in off of. I can't tell you, look, was that Fred that got that? 
free to win credit with a goal. Confusion, anyways, 2-0, who gives a shit? That's it, mate. Who fuck gives a fuck? 2-0, comfort zone. This would be nine points out of nine if it stays the same way. A few Gillingham fans have taken umbrage, decided to come down to the front. They'll be invited to jump, Mick, I think, won't they? This is Fred on the right-hand side. He's got Morrison and Gregory ahead of him. Takes his man on, he's going down the right. Takes his man on, prevails. Clipped on the edge of the penalty area, free kick, Millwall. No, free kick, it looks like. Crowd on him off. So Mill free kick on the right-hand side. The man's been sent off for Gillingham. Second yellow card. We're going to stay with play. Mickey's periscoping live. We've got so much fucking media going on here, it's unbelievable. Big chance for the Lions to put a third in the net here. Let's stay with it. Here we go. Dinked in. Back post. Falls to... Who's that? Williams, shot on from distance. Goalkeeper in the end takes it. Harlem Globetrotters style. Julian come down the right-hand side. Trying to work space for the cross. A lot of blue and white shirts in front of them. That's going to go for a throw-in as we tick towards the 75th minute. It's like going to be a long one from the uh, right-hand side. Near the mill penalty area. It's lofted in. Bobbing around. It falls on the... 2-1, that's Dak catches it well. Catches it on the volley, blasts it home. Fair play to him, 2-1 Millwall now. That was a well-taken goal, all that anger was channelled into that shot. Millwall got to control the game, they've got to manage the game out now. No room for sentiment here. It was a well-taken goal, but it was a sloppy goal. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Definitely more power than you could do. <laughs> Gillingham fans have livened up somewhat. New hope, born of that goal from Bradley Dak. Gillingham giving everything they got as we come down to 70, 78th minute of the game 12 minutes to go at regular time uh, back on the attack here a little shot into the mix there well saved by Jordan Archer Hutchinson clears at the last ditch 82 minutes coming up here comes Gillingham again surging forwards now putting some pressure on the Lions coming down this right hand side they've really put some effort into this comeback I've got to give them their due headed clear but not clear by Worrell Here's the 50 now on the left-hand side. But Gillingham coming back in waves at the moment. There's a shot there that's clattered into the Lions' defence. That's going to go for a corner. Only Gregory forward, and even, even he's not very far forward for the Millwall. Headed clear by Steve Morrison, Gregory takes. Rolls back out wide, uh, left again. This is Ferguson again on the second occasion. That uh, cross was better, but uh, deflected away from the Gillingham defence. Is Ben Thompson from distance. Dipping shot over the bar. Good shot. Fucking hell, says Mickey. It was, was, it, shot, it, it was a good shot. If it was another foot out, that just would have a little bit more. Look. Dipping, 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 but over the bar in the event. Just saying to Mickey, how, um, Morrison finds pace when he you least expect it in a man of his age. What's he now? 30 old? 30, 34, I think. 34. Little crowd rising to the occasion. About three minutes of injury time to go. During and pressing forwards. It's been an entertaining second half. In a way, the first half wasn't so much. Who's this coming in? Uh, Gregory's leaving us. It'll be Butcher coming in. Butcher is the, the three-minute man. He only gets three minutes at the end of each game, doesn't he? Ball forwards. Webster's there again. Straight back to Dak. He takes Thompson. A crunching tackle. The crowd won Dak off. Red, yeah, that's a second yellow. Dak's gone. 
that was an awful tackle on Ben Thompson who's rolling around in agony on the, in the centre of the pitch he stood up, he's alright, he's alright he's made of hard, hard as nails, Ben Thompson he is one of our own and Dak has walked off second yellow card that's then down to nine men now hasn't been that dirty a game, strangely it's no, not, no, for two it. sendings off it's, it sounds like a real, real bloodbath it, it was a crunching tackle but, and he's had the right hump as well Dak yeah, he's all right. He's up his hardest nails, Ben Thompson. Gillingham fans streaming for the exits. Bye-bye. Bye-bye gesturing going all around the ground. There's Shawnee Williams from distance. Bubbling shot near post. Wide. Last few seconds of the game. There's a final whistle. And a nice little challenge on Ben Thompson, who's in the mix there. A little bit of argy-bargy to finish the game. What Webster didn't like that little tackle. It was a nasty little nip at the end there. A little fucking dig in the back. A little dig. And the game finishes in um, a, a melee. Ben Thompson gets dragged away by a trainer there. Looks like it's um, Livermore. Good result for the Lions. Um, a dramatic second half there. And um, a happy ending. We all like a happy ending. There you go. Rick Parfit's favourite song coming back. We'll be back after these messages with Omar Ronain. Achtung, Mehlball. Are you tired of having no voice at Millwall? Then why not join the AMS, the Association of Millwall Supporters? The AMS is an independent fan group, meaning they're not directly affiliated with a football club and therefore they aim to truly represent the fans' best interests. To join the AMS, visit amsgroups.info. That's amsgroups.info. Or if you're on Twitter, go to at a underscore m underscore s underscore group, and they will be happy to answer your inquiries. Big late night welcome on the show to Omar Ronane. Welcome to the show, Omar. Hello, Nick. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me on, as always. Good to have you back, mate. Happy Christmas. It's been a very happy Christmas for the Lions, isn't it? Nine points out of nine after that win over Gillingham tonight. Yeah, I mean, if you look back 10 days ago and coming into a run of Charlton, Swindon and Gillingham at home, I mean, three games that you'd like to think we could try and put in performance and try and win. I mean, it's the kind of crucial period and we've come out better for it. Nine points, quite convincing in each game, I believe. And it's what a difference 10, ga- 10 days make, though. Absolutely. I mean, it was quite a depressive feeling a little bit with that 3 0 loss up at Scunthorpe, which was, I think, the uh, week before Christmas, the 17th. And then since then, I mean, obviously beginning with the Charlton game, the two one, uh, the three one win over Charlton, um, three fantastic performances. I think each, each of them in their own way deserve real tribute. I mean, we we did a, a special show after that Charlton victory, which was a, a huge night, um, and then following on from that, the functional win over over um, Swindon on Boxing Day, and and, and another hard fought win tonight over Gillingham. Each one is a. There's a little masterpiece in game management, I think. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of, it's coincided with the return of the talisman or I don't know how you want to put him with Steve Morrison up top. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not all on his shoulders that we've turned around and obviously won these games, but when you associate words like workmanship and obviously going into the bit of know-how and trying to win games and grind out victories, you kind of look at Morrison as a kind of vocal point of that. And it's definitely kind of coincided with that three big wins and I mean nine points more on the board and we're definitely looking up at the moment I mean it's the little details I mean tonight was a hard fought game we'll come on to it in a moment but late in the game I don't know if we were into injury time five minutes injury time or it was getting close to it um break forwards and, and it just took a Morrison just to hold the ball in the corner I think we won a succession of corners it must have been in injury time it was just chewing up the clock we were two one ahead they were then down to nine men and the ball was couldn't get out of the uh, the right hand corner flag as I was looking at it, and that's that's experience, that's now, and that's what we've been missing, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, as, as much promise as young Harry Smith delivers, he wouldn't have that um, depth of of experience. You know, go to the corner, keep it there, and keep on knocking it off for a corner. You know, just it just it was time chewing. I thought that was just a little detail. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's like it's exactly what he brings, and he's he's. Obviously, a mature player. He's, I think, one of the oldest players in the squad. And but you wouldn't really think about the way he plays and it's just he's, the mannerism about how he plays and tries to drive the team forward. And he's kind of like a real vocal point. Obviously, he has a role where he's trying to not only win headers and stuff like that, but he's also kind of the link between the forward and the attack. And I think Morrison just kind of brings that know-how, like you say, and it's, it's something that's quite valuable in this division in particular. And he's, he's a fit man as well. I mean, as you say, he's thirty. Is he thirty-four or thirty-three? Um... He's, he's advanced in football years, but I mean, he's still got some speed on him. There were a couple of times late in the game where we were obviously looking to soak up pressure and then hit them on the break, and he's still got the, the engine in him to to, to move, move fast when he needs to. Um, and I suppose the experience comes in in knowing when he needs to and when he doesn't, but he's still got some pace in him. It's quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's not the player that we signed in 09 where he's there to score the sole, could be the goal scorer in the team. I mean, he was playing a similar role with Harris and Harris was the kind of player that was winning free kicks in the corner flag and trying to run the time down. It's kind of a switch of roles for him now, but he's showing his class and it's more than welcome, obviously. Absolutely. It's when we was losing to Shrewsbury at home, when we was traveling to Scunthorpe and losing 3-0. It's kind of, it was calling out for someone to come in and just obviously take the team by scruff the neck and it's obviously coincided with three wins on the bounce. No, he's not the same player as we. I mean, he was always a good player, but he's come back with. Um, uh, I don't know what it is. It's a depth of character, a, a maturity. Um, I can only presume he's he's gone sailing through a radioactive cloud like the Incredible Shrinking Man did in the old film. <laughs> uh, something's mutated in him. Something's happened to him. I don't know what it is, but it's to our benefit. And um, what what a majestic player we, we, we've reacquired. Um, he's made the big difference. Uh, another player that I want to name check though before we go into tonight's game. Um, Omer is, is Lee Gregory. Um, clinical finishing on Boxing Day. Absolutely clinical finishing for that first goal tonight. The man is increasingly looking like the finished article, a really polished goal scorer. Um, hats off to him. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's kind of got the understanding, the partnership up top with Morrison that is one of the best in the division, 100%. And absolutely. He, he's, he plays off him pretty well and he just he's tireless work and he comes off after every game and he looks absolutely knackered and it's kind of credit to him that he goes out there, gives 110% every single game. But not only is he someone that gives 110%, he's also got that bit of class about him and if you put him through on goal, you put your money on him to score a goal 100%. I mean, the first goal against uh, Swindon and Boxing Day it was actually quite a similar kind of strike to the opening goal tonight um, against Gillingham. The difference being against Swindon, he was back to goal and he had to swivel and turn. I 
in, in, in my impulsive, emotional way, I'm right. I describe it as Gert Muller style, which that's 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 my um, my kind of personal young years reference point for the, the, the you know the, the high gold standard in, in goal finishing, and that's that was what I saw in Lee Gregory. It's it's, it's really again he's another player that's developing, and I, I can only put it down to the, the support he's getting from Neil Harris and the staff at Mill because he's really adding layers to his game. I, I, I think he's a real standout player for the Lions. Absolutely, it's, it's it's more it's just the know-how and the kind of instinctiveness of it. It's just where he's through on goal. He knows exactly what he needs to do. Beat his man, get a shot on goal, and every single shot he's having at the moment seems to be flying in the back of the net. And he seems to obviously had a slow start last season, and then he came good. And it seems to be a similar thing again, where it's not necessarily a slow start, but he's after a run of games under his belt. He just seems to kind of get better and better as he goes along. And small made that can continue for us. Yeah, I mean the team seems to be switching on at the right time. Christmas is always a a critical period. I know that uh, Neil Harris, uh, before the Christmas period, said he always looks forward to Christmas. It's um, a, an intense period of, um, was it four games in a very short space, about a week and a half almost, isn't it, with the Monday game at, at, uh, at Wimbledon. Um, and it's an opportunity to build up a lot of points quite quickly. And, you know, hats off to this side. It's, it's, a, it's a big workload, but we, we're doing the job. We're nine points out of nine. You can't, you can't get any better than that, can you? No, of course, and it's kind of it's like obviously we're praising Morrison and obviously his return, but it's having a full squad available to us for the first time in yeah. for probably the whole season, and yeah. it's 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 weird that I mean you wouldn't kind of use Romeo as the kind of reason why we've been performing badly in defence, but it's nice to kind of change things up, bring in Sean Cummins to give him a run of games. Obviously, he's not been in the team for a while. He's determined to prove the point. Hutchinson, who was injured, he's got to come in and now prove his worth. The same goes through the team, and we've got O'Brien who's coming in on the left. He's obviously done his job for us and he seems to pop up goal. It's, it's all kind of coming together and this kind of, if I think if Harris chose his ideal team in pre-season, it wouldn't have been anything like the team that he's had in the last few months. I think no, it's, no. we're slowly, slowly getting towards the point where you could argue it and say this is the team that he wanted to take into the season. So, it's if you can definitely tell the understanding between the players and there's a spine to the team as well. You've got Webster and Hutchinson, you've got Thompson and Williams and then you've got Morrison and Gregory up front. There's a spine, there, there's a steel to this side as well. Um, I was reading before tonight's game, I was looking at News at Den, and there's an interview with Sean Hutchinson, uh, and he kind of speaks about the tactics, the uh, the four four two setup. But, but And we saw it tonight, and, and, and against um, Swindon, but more so tonight, because Gilling had a bit of bite about them tonight. Um, we, we soak up that pressure, Omar, don't we? We, you know... Um, it is, it's the classic direct route when we get the ball, and it's it's worked out fine in the last two games. But we, we are adept at soaking up the pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's what we've done well towards the end of last season. We kind of sit back, wait for the opportunity, and you've got players that have a lot of pace, the likes of Fred, the likes of Gregory. You've got players that can really hurt teams on the break and kind of cause trouble. And it's, it's nice because, obviously, we've had our defensive issues, and we've conceded a goal today, so we can't say, oh, we're obviously the strongest team in the league defensively, but it felt a bit more kind of confident and you feel a bit more assured in the crowd. And it's like a few games ago, you kind of feel the nervousness of the team. But I think with Hutchinson returning as well, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit of confidence in the back four. Yeah, it was a strong defensive performance tonight, I felt. Um, it, it was just interesting that the, the the way the interview was was framed, it was it just struck me how the players are buying into this, this tactic, this approach. I mean, you know, you, you read on the internet, I'm sure you see the same comments that I, I see people going on about, um, you know, kind of Route 1 football and, and the kind of um, the, the basic uh, other teams seem to be passing the ball like Barcelona, but, um, or that style anyway. Um, 
where whereas we hit hit the hit, hit it hard and go for goal and and it was it was it's just been noticeable the last two games how effective that has been um you know we're so, we're soaking up and then we're, we're the ones scoring a goal i mean it's all very well having possession but if you're a goal behind yeah i mean the, this if you could split the pitch into three thirds and it's obviously the final third that counts most in games and you can tell like it's one thing having Josh Wright spray the ball 50 yards sideways all game, and he's done that well, yeah. fair play to him. I thought he'd done all right today, but there's no kind of... When Sean Williams gets the ball, for example, it's a look up, try and play over the top to Gregory. We're trying to get into the teams, try and hurt him in defence, and try and obviously force the occasion. And it's, it's nice, obviously, playing the ball around, pass, 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 but at the end of the day, like you say, the main, the most important fact is if we scored more goals than the other team. It's the scoreline that counts, isn't it? Um, scoreball mm. dude, as they say in America, I think. Um, <laughs> so unchanged sides, which again is, is a big factor tonight. Archer, um, for me, didn't have a huge amount to do apart from pick out that strike from um, Bradley Dack in the in the second half that unsettled me greatly when that flew into the net. Um, I mean, he's not showing the, the form of last season, but then he's um, not having to, I suppose. Uh, he still looks a little bit flappy at times, Archer, to some some of the balls into the box and, and high balls. He doesn't. Doesn't quite have the command he did at times last season. I don't know what you say to that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, no, I, I totally agree with you. To be honest, it's it's a tricky one because obviously you've got an understudy and Tom Keane. Is he really pushing on Jordan Archer, knocking on the door, saying, "If you're not going to mess up, am I going to get a game?" Yeah, because when David Ford was here, obviously he was definitely towards the end of his career and you can yeah. tell that he was not the player we obviously had a few seasons back but you kind of knew that if Archer had a few bad games you put 40 in for a couple of games take Archer out the limelight I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Like if he's made a couple of mistakes, but it's, you don't really get that sense of competition for the goalkeeping shirt at the moment. And it's, it's like if you're Jordan Archer, you, you make a mistake, but you're going to get the next game as well because we, we don't want to throw Tom King into a game against AFC Wimbledon away, for example. It's, 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 it's a difficult situation. But, I mean, he's not been terrible by any means, but you can no. tell there is there is a couple of occasions where you feel eh, he could probably do a bit better than he would have done last season. He could command more. I mean, mm. I, I, I am being picky. I'm, I'm aware of that. I, 
it was just a couple of moments tonight, and I thought, oh, I don't know, Archer, you know, you, there, was, there was a one-fisted punch he went for, looked a bit like um, older re- re- uh, listeners will know this, uh, Larry Grayson almost shut that door type of um, flat away. And, um, you know, it, I think you're right. I think there's a lack of competition in his position. There's no lack of competition in the right-back position, though, with Cummings uh, and Romeo now on the bench. Um, a promising youngster pushed out by... The more experienced and I don't know the more percentage player in in some respects. I I've quite liked the look of Sean Cummings since he's come back into the side, Omar. Yeah, he's kind of got the aura of what Carlos Edwards kind of brought. I think the kind of composure, the ability to take his time on the ball and slow the play down a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's just like Romeo is obviously direct by his nature, and he's clearly a talent that if we can keep him for the next ten years, we're going in the right direction as a club because he's definitely someone that will be at least above League One, in my opinion. But it's, it's one of those. I think Cummings has come in, he's done a job, shown his kind of experience and his know-how, and it's definitely been an added f- function to our back four. Beautiful cross for the first goal against Charlton, if memory serves, from Sean Cummings. And he certainly gives a bit more structure going down the right. Um, in the middle, I mean, I'm, I, I like the look of Webster and Hutchinson as a, as a double act, and we've not really looked solid in, in the central defence since the departure of Mark Beavers last season. But Hutchinson does give you, give you that more... Um, sense of solidity there, doesn't he? Yeah. Reassurance. Yeah, I think because Hutchinson, obviously, it's been unfortunate. He's had the really poor start to his career he's had, whereas I hear for it's like injuries have kind of cost his position in the team. I mean, like I said at the start, I think if Harris had his ideal back four, Webster and Hutchinson would be the heart of the defence. And in pre-season in particular, when he played a few games, you can tell what Hutchinson brings to the team. He's strong in defence and he seems to win every single header he goes up for as well. So, And he obviously shows his ability to cover. And I think him and Webster seem to be kind of having an understanding early days as well. But three games in and he seems to have not been injured yet. And he seems to obviously have carried on and tried to push on. I mean, the central defender in a battle tonight, number 50, I've just noticed, was Jay. J. Emmanuel Thomas, he was an ex-Arsenal player, I believe, isn't he? Emmanuel yeah, he's, I think he's been he's slowly filled down. He started at Arsenal, I think he was at QPR last season as well. So he's a bit of a handful, one of them little hothead players. But yeah, it was definitely a battle, but I think they came up on top, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I didn't I didn't win much in the air tonight, uh, Gillingham. And, um, it, it, he's, he's a lump, Emmanuel Thomas, and that was that was a, a hard, hard work for both of the central defenders. Um, Tony Craig on the left side is looking a bit like a man... Reborn, isn't he? I mean, I, you know, there, there was a moment earlier on in this campaign where I thought Craig might be finished, but um, he's, he's pushed out Joe Martin and there's no sign of his return. He, he looks like a natural in that left-back role. He's almost a, a man possessed. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's just, I mean, if you take away the first half of the season and obviously the Wembley appearance, you might say it's the typical Tony Craig trying to force his way back in. But obviously, we're, we're not we're not that stupid. We're aware of what's happened since the turn of the year. And it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those ones with Tony Craig. And like I said, I don't know if he was going to be in the back, in the centre-back pairing at the start of the season if Hutchinson was available. But, I mean, he's come in and he's done his job. And I think him and Cummins kind of offer that kind of defensive solidarity that allows the likes of O'Brien in front of them and Fred to kind of play and obviously not necessarily track back and defend. Obviously, they'll do that when we're sitting back. But having Craig behind O'Brien, it gives O'Brien a kind of freedom to go ahead and try and play his football. A player worthy of mention, I think, is Fred. Um, I, I, I couldn't quite keep track of his goal tonight. He's, he's the second for, for the Lions tonight. And... Um, uh, a kind of a right-sided run by Fred, and he seemed to overrun it himself. From I was a long way away from the incident, so I, I didn't really get a good view of it. Maybe you did, Omar, but um, it seemed to like he'd almost lost the ball at, at one point in, with the goalkeeper at his feet, and then somehow 
it finished in the net somehow. I, I couldn't I couldn't see yeah. how it actually got from the melee to to the back of the net. But it didn't. yeah, he broke <laughs> well, from what I think because I was a couple of lane in. So he kind of he broke through. I think on the right hand side, obviously from the halfway line, and he kind of ran inwards. And he had I think Morrison to his right. Yeah. He kept going and had his shot on goal, and it was a bit of a weak shot, but it kind of just bounced back to him. And as he's on the floor, he just flings his leg at it and seems to go in. I think if you see the if you watch the highlights when it comes out tomorrow, Brian does well because he's in an offside position and he's about to touch the ball, then leaves it, yeah. and obviously then goes in and it's goal. So um, I think if if O'Brien had his if he wants to be the selfish one, it might have been disallowed. But by all means, Fred just showed exactly what he offers from the right-hand side, just breaks through on goal, has his shot, and obviously scores the goal. Good power runs by Fred tonight, um, first half and, and second half. He, he does bring um, athleticism, and there's, there's a sense that you don't know what's going to happen next when Fred's on the ball. And I've always liked wingers, for, uh, compared him before with Paul Lyfield. Um same sense of any, anything can happen when he's, the ball's at his, uh, his feet. And you get a bit of a sense with Fred, the same with Fred. Um, so well done, Fred, tonight. Yeah, I think he's yeah. kind of, in, you can tell he's done a few more extra gym sessions as well. At least yeah. I think I've noticed that in recent weeks. It's, like I said, it's definitely a comparison to Paul Ifield because it's my early days supporting middle. Paul Ifield was one of the best players, in my opinion, as well. And he's kind of a bit of a hothead with um, Fred. Like occasional times he goes for a header and it goes backwards and you're thinking, oh, bloody hell, what have you put us under here? But you want players like Fred in your team and you want to give him free license to just, just try what they want, really, because they're capable of producing magic and winning us games. Yeah, I mean, back in my old days, in the, my my younger days, Trevor Lee was another player where you never knew what you were going to get. And Fred is from that kind of stable. Where you put the ball at his feet, anything can happen, and that's that has its moments, has its good moments. And but you know, um, you sit you sit forward on your seat when he's on the ball. And I think that's that's why you go and watch football personally. Absolutely, absolutely. Ben Thompson, great performance tonight from the Oma in the field. Great, great show by Ben Thompson. He drew a yellow, but that was the Ben Thompson show. Really, he was everywhere and tackling and. Uh, giving it the full commitment for me tonight. Yeah, I mean, this is what he's always doing, 110%. He's putting himself about. He's dictating midfield. And you're against, I think he was against Josh White and Heston Tyler in the midfield and Bradley Dack as well. And he just he seems to be able to put himself about in a similar way what Jimmy Abdu might have done where he's able to run up and down. But he's also producing the ability technical, technically-wise. And he's just he seems to be going strength to strength, Thompson. And it's refreshing to see. Yeah, it's fantastic to see. So well done, Ben Thompson. And well done, Sean Williams as well, because again, he's, he's, the quality of his passing is um, he's an easy player to underrate, Sean Williams, I think. And, you know, tonight was another strong show by the midfield generally, which includes Sean Williams. But the quality of some of his passing is, is really um, top draw at times, in my opinion. Yeah, he's he's forward thinking every time, and it's like I said, it's not the playing left and right, left and right all game. It's more kind of get it up, look who he can look for, try and hit Gregory, try and hit Morrison, and try and get play going. And he's the only one in the team that's got the ability to hit them passes sixty yards forward, and he's going from strength to strength as well. A controversial player, obviously, is Aidan O'Brien. He divides opinion, Omar. Um, many um, reacted to the news that there were clubs interested in him. Um, in the January transfer, which may or may not be true, we don't know. He's denied on the um, on the news at then, um, and I've, I've seen prices quoted for him ranging from seven hundred and fifty thousand to uh, tens of millions of pounds. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know where people must just invent figures. I think or fantasy figures. I, I actually think, and I don't know how. I was interested to see your uh, hear your viewpoint. I think it'd be a major loss if we got rid of him. I, I don't see the need or purpose in losing him. I mean. You know, he's not a natural winger, but but blimey, I mean, he gets goals, eight goals. That That's a big thing to replace at this level. Eight goals is, 
worth retaining, in my opinion, and more to come. Absolutely, and he's got a few more years on his contract as well. And it's like you said, I think the quoted fee I saw was less than a million. And if you're looking at, I think Charlton, they sold, uh, they're, they're going to sell Lookman by looking at their youngster yeah. who didn't really impress, but he's going to Everton for ten million pounds supposedly. So I don't know how you balance it and say, well, O'Brien scored eight goals. How many has Lookman scored this season? Not as many as O'Brien. So, but it's it's, it's one of those ones. <laughs> you never know with what transfer valuations are. But I think with O'Brien, he's definitely. I think he does split opinion, but like you said, he, he seems to turn up at the right time and score crucial goals. It's not only goals where we're three or four nil up, it's goals where we're away to Berry in the 90th minute and he wants to score a goal and he wants to try and be the hero and grab the headlines. He's maybe a bit arrogant in that way, but he's capable of doing it and producing. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of these players, all he does is score goals, isn't it? You know, that, that's, um, you know, what else does he bring? Um, well, he seems to enjoy it at Millwall. Um, yeah. He seems to, you know, be committed to the team calls. Um, and those that want to sell him, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for. I mean, yes, there's, there's, I suppose there's this idea that Jed Wallace may be coming in and, um, you know, there's some kind of idea that if O'Brien goes, Wallace comes in. I don't know if this is the stuff of uh, reality or what, really, but... Um, I, I just think he's he, he's highly underrated, Aidan O'Brien. I'd be sorry to see him go myself if, if that does indeed come to pass. I definitely agree with you, Nick. Up front, we've mentioned Morrison, we've mentioned Gregory. Masterclasses from both, um, really, tonight. Who would you take as your man of the match uh, on the mill side tonight, Omar? It's a tricky one, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, it was... it was. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll go first. Okay, uh, no, but I think it's, it was a team performance today, really. And I think if I chose one, I would probably edge towards Thompson. Um, I think he's quick. He's vastly. He's quickly. I mean, maybe Gregory. We'll go. We'll go for Tops. I'll stick with my first opinion. Thompson just. I think he seems to does the job of two players on the side. And to me, that's a big commodity to have. And he just seems to be going from strength to strength. And he clearly takes to the fans and the fans take to him. And I think he was superb again tonight. He's, he's one of our own. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's a great choice. I, I don't think anyone's going to... You could probably pick... The good thing at the moment, and seriously, is that you could probably pick from three or four men of the match, actually, because you could take your pick from Ben Thompson. You could, you could talk about um, Steve Morrison. And you can even talk about some of the defended, defensive work, which won't be quite so high-profile nor glamorous. For me, I'm going to go for Lee Gregory because I just think the ruthlessness of his finishing these past couple of games have been the difference between three points and one point, you know, um, both, both against Swindon and against uh, Gillingham tonight. Two clinical finishes, and that's what sets him apart at this level. So I, I think um, I'm going to choose Lee Gregory, but I, won't, I wouldn't argue with your choice of Thompson either. Um, great team performance overall. Good absolutely. Tonight. It was an enjoyable night, wasn't it tonight? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, the same sort of crowd as I think it was against Charlton, but it was a sort of proper Millwall crowd and kind of stuff that we've not had in recent kind of seasons go by, to be honest. And it was nice to go out there and everyone's obviously enjoying watching the team. And I think our home form this year has been a big turnaround and people starting to buy into our kind of home mentality. And we just we seem to be going straight from strength at home. Yeah, I mean, it was an edgy period after the... the there was a sending off, wasn't there? The uh, Koncheski, I'm just looking at the uh, BBC website, number 12, got sent off for two yellow cards. They seemed to lose their heads slightly, Gilling, but that, that, in a way that seemed to work to their advantage um, after the goal, which was um, which was Dak, wasn't it? A, a, a great volley from outside the penalty area. 
they seemed to be really giving it a good go after that. And that kind of loss of discipline almost came with a the turf there that they were going to throw everything at us. Um, so I'll, I'll take my hat off to them. They, they made a go of it. They made a game of it tonight. And it was it was edgy stuff at times to, late in that second half. Yeah, I mean, they gave they, they tried to rally up and obviously try and earn something towards the end. But I, like I said, I feel like we stood up to it enough. I think Archer had to yeah. only make one save after that point. And it's it's one of those ones where if you think, well, we've grinded out a win here and it's, it's three home wins on the balance. It's looking a lot more kind of positive for us. And I think, yeah, you're right in saying Janine did give it a good go, but we definitely deserved our win today. They finished with nine men with back getting a second uh, red yellow card and the red. In deep in uh, injury time, um, angry young man. He he seemed to slump off like um, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. He's a talented boy, Dak. Um, I was surprised he's still there at Gillingham. Actually, I thought he might have been on the move, but clearly, um, you know, clearly the money's not coming for him. I'm a, I'm a, no, I think he was. Yeah, I think he was League One Player of the Season last year as well, or one yeah. definitely in the in the shortlist. I think. I think Gillingham as a whole, they started off the season pretty well and they're kind of slumping slow down the table. I was surprised to see they were 16th when I looked at the table before today's game. So, yeah. but I mean, you wouldn't say they're the, like the top, top team in the division, but I definitely thought they'd be in the top 10, similar to where we were sort of thing. But they are definitely kind of sloping downwards as a club. Absolutely. So on to um, AFC Wimbledon on Monday. It's um, the final uh, game of the Christmas New Year period. It's been a, a, a testing period. Um I think it's it's been a lot of hard work for the players. I think we'll get what we can, you know, we'll take anything from that game on Monday. It's going to be a lot more about the result than the, the performance there. Um, no reason why we can't think in terms of, of a win there, given the current confidence levels in the team. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, it's the team picks itself at the moment and Absolutely. each player seems to be earning their call when they go out there to play. And I think... Wimbledon, obviously, at home, they seem to be a decent side themselves. But I think if we can go there and soak up the pressure like we do, I think we'll definitely hit them on the break and score at least a goal. And if we can get a clean sheet, you never know. I mean, it's it's one of those ones where Wimbledon, I think they started well and themselves have found a little bit of a slope recently. But again, we need to go there and just obviously give 100% and try and do what we know best. Interesting 2017 lies ahead of us, Omar. That's fantastic, mate. Um... No. Big thank you for coming, sitting up late after bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> coming on the show, really appreciate it, mate. Not a problem. And, um, we'll catch up again very soon in the new year, I hope. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on and thank you, listeners. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. Huge welcome on the show to an old friend of, of, of the club, an old fan, um, Jimmy Webb, all the way out there in Perth, Western Australia. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I'm probably a lot colder than you are, mate. What, what was the temperature like on, on Christmas Day? Uh, it was around about 30 degrees. 30 degrees. Out. Fuck. Swimming pool cold and so was the beer. <laughs> and don't you miss home, though, Jim? <laughs> the freezing cold yeah, days. It's funny because it's... I've, I've been here, what, eight, eight years. This is my eighth Christmas, and yeah. it doesn't feel like Christmas at all when it's when it's weather like this. You know, no. and when I see pictures of people back home, snow, cold, grey, miserable, I think, no, nah, I'm all right, actually. <laughs> I think you're in the right place, mate. I know what you well, mean. I do miss the football boxing. Yeah, it's, it's odd. I mean, I was, I was just saying off uh, before we started recording, Jim, weren't we? Um, I was down there yesterday, and it was a typical kind of cold day in South Bermondsey, and... Um, 
you know, I, I'd imagine in a funny kind of way, it's, it, that's what I would miss, those little moments. I wouldn't miss it for the rest of the week when it's nice and sunny and 30 degrees, but in those moments you do get, I can see how that would be the nostalgic kind of um, thing that you would miss out on when you go away. Yeah, although watching uh, watching the Perth Glory that I do every so often and uh, with a couple of ex-Millwall players playing for them and uh, yeah. it's still no good. <laughs> Now we're doing the randomizer section. Jim, for listeners, Jim contacted me. Um, I was interested in doing a little bit of uh, the, the randomizer. It's been quite a popular little piece I've been doing, Jim. And um, big thank you for coming and helping me out with this this um, little section, which is where we choose random numbers from one of these internet number generators, and we go back those years to see what fixtures were happening in years gone past. So we've got three three fixtures uh, for us today, Jimmy, and. First number up was 29, back, so that takes us back to 1987. Randy Um On this weekend, 28th of December 1987, uh, we played Sheffield United. And I was at this game. Were you at this game, Jim? Did you, do you remember this one? I, I think I was. I can't remember it, but I, I'm pretty certain I was there. And um, Yeah. And... And the more the more I looked into to the game, yeah. the more I sort of thought, ah, oh, maybe it was one of those I was there moments for uh, for a reason that we could get onto in in a minute, no doubt. Well, I think um, we're probably going to be talking about the same because I, I I remember this and I remember one particular goal. Now it was a, it was a three one win for the Lions that day, twenty eighth of December, um, two days after Boxing Day, so there, there was, it was quite a hectic schedule um, back then. Twenty sixth of December, twenty eighth of December, then first of January. Um, mm. So it's quite hectic. I don't know if I'm reading this right, but um, first of yeah, no, no, that's fine. First of January, 1988, and then second of January. I mean, that's that's a hectic series of games there, Jim, isn't it? Was that five games in in about five days or so it's, it, it, in a week? It's something uh, ridiculous but fantastic about that, though, isn't there? There is. It's quite awesome in a way. Um, so this day, the 28th of December, which and I think I remember being there because the goal scorers for the Lions that day were Teddy Sheringham. Twenty six minutes. Robbie Cook was that the was that the um the reason that you picked out on it, and then uh, Les Briley uh, on thirty six minutes putting us three nil up at half time, and a consolation goal for Sheffield United. Uh, Clive Mendonca in, in who I think went on to play for Charlton, Jim, didn't he? Oh, um, Grimsby, wasn't it? Yeah, Grimsby. That's right. Yeah, Mendonca from Grimsby, and I remember. I, I think it was a header from Robbie Cook, and I remember him making a big show for this, the second goal put us 2-0 ahead and he made a big show of type, made, gesturing towards his head so I don't think he scored many headed goals if, if memory serves from memory wasn't he only like 5 foot 1 or something silly like that anyway I don't think he was the uh, he wasn't the sort of centre forward that, that John Dockett at the time was no. dying because uh, obviously normally we would have Sheringham and Cascarino up front but Cass was injured so Robbie Cook come in and I'm sure he was like you know the, 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 the opposite of what absolutely normally by and and you know that I was there moment because that was his only goal for Millwall yeah I, I in my mind I, I remember him playing for us and I remember this moment um headed goal from close range if if, if memory serves uh, I thought we had him on loan Jim but he actually we actually signed him uh, must no, have we been, bought him, yeah, yeah um, Brentford and did we sell I think we sold him to Cambridge or something like that as well and uh... yeah it was it was an odd an odd little cameo really because I mean um I think Cascarino was injured wasn't he um yeah Christmas time, um, critical season for the Lions, promotion season in the end. It was uh, a promotion season. What a fantastic year it was, Jim, as well. It's one of those um, 
you know, standout years of of of, um, of Mill support. Um, but yeah, just to just to finish on Robbie Cook, he, I thought he'd come on loan, but no, we actually signed him thirty thousand pound from um, from Brentford. He'd, he'd worked with John Doherty at Brentford prior to, yeah. So he's one of his known known strikers. One of his old mates, wasn't it? And I think uh, he was one of his old mates. Yeah. And I think we gave him a wage for the season because he made five appearances with just that one goal in this particular game versus Sheffield United. And then we let him go at the end of the season, as, as Wikipedia quite um, discreetly puts it. He was unable to break up the pairing of Cascarino and Teddy <laughs> Sheringham, Jim. I think you'd have to be fucking good to get into that pairing, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, not, not many players managed it. I mean, even that year, that was the uh, that season was the start of uh, Steve Amphrobus. Steve Amphrobus. Oh, what a name. Yeah. <laughs> I felt sorry for Steve Anfrobus because he he took a slaughtering at Colblow Lane, didn't he? I mean, the abuse that was dished out to him, and I never felt he was quite as bad as as, as the kind of um, the crowd made him out to be. I always thought it was more promising him than than um, than we were seeing, um, but I don't think it was the right right arena for him or, or the right club. And um, he got absolutely slaughtered by the crowd there, didn't he, Amphrobus? The, 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 the trolley bus, I think it was, it was called. He, he made quite a good living out of like the lower leagues, but if you remember, the best thing he did for Millwall was that, and I think they lost still, but the diving header against the Palace. Itself. That's right, yeah. That's right. That was his one contribution to the club, mate, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 um, I don't know if you remember as well this game, and, yeah. and this is where going back to uh, how people moan about travel and kickoff times these days, but yeah. do you know it was a half past 11 in the morning kickoff? I don't remember that, Jim. No, wow, was it? Yeah. Kick off eleven thirty in the morning. Although the match program does say eleven thirty p.m., and I'm pretty certain. It was, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but it was it was a half past eleven in the morning kickoff. So that means those poor, I reckon there was what, what a couple of hundred Sheffield United sports came down. Must have left about. Absolutely. 4.30 in the morning <laughs> to come and see a three-one. Um, I mean, a three-nil down at half time. That, that, that is the proverbial long way to go, isn't it? For uh, for 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 a mullering there, you know, and no, I didn't realise it was eleven thirty a.m. kickoff. I suppose it was. It was... We, had, we had two or three games that year that kicked off something ridiculous. I think um, it may have been uh, the the Leicester game, which was the next game on New Year's Day, and I'm just, I think that was at eleven thirty kickoff as well. Yeah, eleven wow. thirty New Year's Day. Wow. Um, yeah, different times, mate. I'm mean, I'm just running my eye through that team there. Jim Brian Hall in goal. Um, Dennis Salman. Keith Stevens. Danny, Danny, Danny Salmon got player of the year that year as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, what a great player he was. He's one of those little under, underrated players, Dennis, wasn't he? Um, he was always quite a friendly guy whenever you saw him. I mean, but then again, players in those days were a, a lot more sociable than what they are these days, aren't they? So. Absolutely. I mean, they were not unknown in the local pubs, shaking hands with fans and, and you know, having a drink with them. So it was just a different era entirely. Yeah, player of the season, you're right. Just looking at the... Um, the Mill History website. Um, but yes, yeah, Stevens, Keith Stevens, legendary figure at the club. Brian Horn, great goalkeeper. Um, quite a short goalkeeper, really, Horn, wasn't he? He didn't dominate his goal, but he, he was a he was a fantastic shot stopper. He, he, he was a lot more agile then than what he probably is now. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I think he's enjoyed life. Let's put it that way. He's enjoyed life. I think so. Good luck to him. Good luck to him, too. <laughs> Um, Dave Thompson, centre half, um, lanky, yeah. lanky guy from up north, wasn't he? He was up uh, Geordie, Geordie Land. Dave Thompson. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he was he was a funny player. He was one of those that always promised lots and yeah, then gave away silly old goals like the Cambridge in the cup, you know. And, uh, yeah, 
It was a it was a walking mistake, wasn't it? You knew that he, yeah. all the good so work. Yes, right. We've had a few of those over the years, Jim. But he was, he was, he was one very, and he's very skinny kind of guy as well. He, he didn't seem yeah. to have, almost like you could snap him, you know. Um, just looking at somebody other, Nicky Coleman. Jesus, I, I always thought of him as the most dull, the dull player, Nicky Coleman. Um, he, he really wasn't a fan's favourite. No, he wasn't a fan's favourite. <laughs> uh, Steve Woods, um, great player. Um, and uh, Dennis, we've mentioned Herlock and Briley. That's a a classic midfield there, Jim. Herlock and Briley. What a what a huge couple of um, presences in midfield they were, weren't they? No mucking around there, was there? Absolutely. And more skill than they were given credit for as well. Mm. You know, on both on both fronts actually, because Briley was known as a um, a fairly journeyman midfielder, wasn't he? I think he'd been around the been around the tracks a few times. Um, Hereford, I think he'd play that and um, places like you know, kind of no, nowhere places, and then. He found his fame and fortune at, at, at Millwall in that in that classic side, but he had more skill to his game than he was given credit for. It was tough tackling, but he had he had a touch on the ball as well, as did Terry Terry Herlock. And both and both when they wanted to had a shot and half on them. Didn't they just? Um, I mean, this was the promotion season. Um, obviously, Briley went on to be part of the first division side the following year, and, and everyone will always mention that disallowed goal at Arsenal, which um, that was a rocket yeah. rocket followed, from followed by the cracker cracker against Charlton. Yeah, that's right. And the three 0 win there—that was at Selhurst Park, wasn't it? Yeah, some classic names here. Um, David Byrne. Um, I have the vaguest memories of curly-haired kind of winger type. Um, slightly um, didn't really seem to make much impact as I remember, but he was—he was. He was, he was part... I always sort of thought that he was very slow. Yeah. But then maybe because Jimmy Carter was on the other wing, it would probably be a, a bit of a mismatch, you know, in a race. Yeah, no. Well, Carter was was a, a he was a pacey player, wasn't he? And um, it, like we've had a few players. I mean, I, I always think of Paul Eiffel as well, and, and Jimmy Carter in the same kind of um, category. That um, you never quite knew what like, you were going to get from them, and I'm not sure they always knew what they were going to get get from the situation. <laughs> the ball would be at their feet, or they would be moving forwards with it, and somehow it would be kind of arms and elbows and legs, and somehow the ball would finish up on the the other side of the defender. But no, you couldn't explain how they did it. Uh, and Carter, to a degree, was like. I think they confused the defence m- m- along with confusing <laughs> them themselves. <laughs> I mean, Carter, uh, Carter had pace, um, and he obviously went on to um, play at Liverpool and um, at Arsenal late, later on in his career. Uh, and up front for this game was the master for me, greatest player you've ever seen, Jim Teddy Sheringham in a, in a Mill shirt. Would you Would you agree? Or oh, I would certainly put him in my in my all time eleven. Yeah, absolutely, Teddy Sheringham, and then obviously for this game only. Robbie Cook on one of the five appearances that um, that he made for the club. Uh, crowd that down, just looking at the website, is a, a, not a huge crowd, 7,255. Um, uh, and the average crowd that season, just on another another level, was um, 8,400. So these weren't big numbers back then, Jim, were they? I mean, it was... Um... Especially as you consider that the last few games we were pulling in crowds of like 10, 11, 12, yeah. 10, 15, 15 and a half of the last game. So but that was only when... So just goes to show that at the start of a lot of seasons, the uh, you know we don't pull in the greatest of the crowds at the start of the season. No, I mean I remember that season very very well. It made a big impact on me um, because the club was adrift really prior to the season, and Reg Byrne made one or two marquee signings, which um, included Cascarino. Um, I think George um, George Lawrence came in. I think that maybe that was the yep. following season. It might be the following. Some some no, si- some signings were made. Is that correct? George- yeah, well, Steve Steve Wood came in that summer. Kevin O'Callaghan even came mm. in, came back as well. So money was spent, Jim, wasn't it? And I think 
that kind of excited, um, certainly excited the Mills of all, excited me at the time. I, um, I've, I've been to a few games the previous season, hadn't really gone as much as I as I should have done, really, looking back. Um, and there was a real sense of anticipation going into that 87, 88 mm. season. And I think it's probably fair to say that, um, well, let's have a look at the, the, the history website. So at Christmas, we were in ninth and seventh place going into the Christmas period. So we were kind of in, in the mix, but we weren't ripping the division up. So I think there was a, there's a certain sense at that stage that, as to whether anything would or wouldn't happen that season. Um, and the Christmas was probably the start of that run, that fantastic run that finished up in, in, in being champions, actually. We were champions of the league that year, weren't we? Division we were two. Champions of the league. That was, I, I won't forget that day in a long time. And uh, I think that Blackburn game, if you remember rightly, we had to beat Blackburn to allow Palace to get them to the playoff. <laughs> and I'm pretty certain the song went, we fucked it up for Palace. 4 <laughs> <laughs> <Full> 1. <laughs> It was, it was an anticlimactic day in some ways, but the championship trophy was awarded before the game, the Blackburn last game of the season we're talking about. The players all staggered out. Of I think they've been on the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> what a day, what an era, what a season. Um, but one other thing as well, do you remember, we had the cup game only a couple of weeks later. We did, so let's have a look at that. Played Arsenal. Arsenal. And, That's right. And would you believe, I'm just, just reading it here, yeah. seats are now available, priced, Five pounds. <laughs> various prices of four pounds for adults and two pounds for juveniles and OAPs. And it was pay on the day. Pay on the day. Well, no wonder. Look at the crowd that day, Jim. Uh, that was a couple of weeks later from the game we've just described, 9th of January, third round of the FA Cup. The crowd, 42,083. Yes. <laughs> so watch Arsenal beat, beat Millwall 2-0. Um, and we still never nicked the clock. No, and that was the legendary day when the clock was going to be stolen, um, and it never happened, did it? Of course, it didn't. We probably weighed about a, or a couple of tons of, of metal. That thing. I don't know anyone was going to nick it. Probably about hundred meters in the air as well. <laughs> yes, right. It would have taken some organisation to do it, um, but such was the, the the tabloid press and its hysteria over Millwall. Um, Great days, great days. Um, it's I suppose you, you and me have the same kind of era, Jim, aren't we? And um, these were the days, mate, weren't they? This this was a fantastic season, and then we followed that up into the first part of the first division season. It, it went a little bit off the ball from uh, you know eighty nine onwards. It was pretty much from Christmas from from about Christmas eighty seven till just after yeah. Christmas eighty eight, wasn't it? That was yeah. the, the magic twelve months, I think. It the, was a year, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, the, it, basically nineteen eighty eight was the magic year, and I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. It's um, uh, you know, even as you read these names and you look at these games, it sends a little chill down your your spine because it, it is, um, it was an incredible season, incredible players, and there was just that real sense of connection with between fans and, and players. It's, it's it was a very Millwall sense that season. Fantastic days indeed. Um, so there we are. That's that's our first random um, and a good choice actually. A good good, good choice by the by the randomizer. So next one, Jimmy Webb. We've got fifty five, and that takes us back to nineteen sixty one. Randy Omizer. Uh, no, I don't remember. Yeah, a bit before, bit before my time. Well, I was, I was what one year old at the time, so and I, I couldn't call myself a Millwall fan at that time in my life. So this this game escaped me. But we we go back fifty five years now to 1961, 30th of December, um, Millwall four, Crew Alexandra three, uh, and at that time, listeners we were in Division four in the fourth division of the football league. Um, 
tough times, I think, for the for the club. Through the fifties, really, Jim. I think the post-war period was a bit of a bit of a wasteland for the club, and we found ourselves in the fourth division at the end of the fifties and early sixties. But this was a promotion season. We, actually... well, we only found ourselves in the fourth division because we finished towards the bottom of Division Three South before they decided to scrap that. Yeah, the old formation, Division Three South, regionalised third divisions, um, and you had to be re-elected, I think, didn't you? To uh, well, the, the season that uh, I was the fifty-eight season, they formed the fourth division, but it was re-election otherwise, so that, and you could find yourself out of the football league completely if it went wrong on you. But um, yeah, so this game, fourth, thirtieth of December, sixty-one, Division Four. Mill four, Crew Alexandra three, ten thousand there, Jim. That's a not a bad crowd for those days. Ten thousand, four hundred. Um, now, the player I wanted to come back to a little bit. Um, hat trick hero that day, Peter Burridge. Um, three goals and an own goal. Um, and then um, doesn't say who who scored for Crew Alexandra. We we don't really care, do we? Um, <laughs> two one at half time, and it finished four three. To the Lions. Peter Burridge was a fantastic striker for the um for the Lions. Um one of those unknown names. Um you know, if you ask Mill fans about players of a certain prior to your own, you know, when you start going yourself, Jim, you don't really know these names, but I've just looked at his record on, on the history website. He, he, sixty-two goals in ninety-one games. That's a huge, huge strike rate, isn't it? It's not bad. I mean, I was, I was, you know, this is like where me, I'm, I only know the names of these players really because this is where my dad was going. So okay. he, he would often go on about Joey Broadfoot and yeah. Peter Burridge and Reg Davis in goal. And Reg the Cat. <laughs> yeah. What names? Reg the Cat and the Brady. The Brady's in, in, in our team as well. So Yeah. I'm just looking at Burridge's record. I just, I just picked him out because he's a striker of. Um, he's little known, and yet, you know, I think the purpose of shows like this should be to. Pick out some of these great heroes from the past. He's only with us for um, two seasons. Yeah, two two seasons. 1960-61 and then 61-62. Uh, 91 appearances. This was the era, Jim, as well. No substitutions back then. So he never appeared as a substitute. There was no substitutes no. in football. Different times. And 62 goals in 91 games. That is a, that's a strike rate, isn't it? Actually, that's not, not quite one goal a game, but it's getting towards there. Um, comes from Harlow. Born in 1933, um, we signed him from Leighton Orient for £2,000. What a great feat. And so. I've just written that £2,000 <laughs> catcher from Leighton Orient. That's <laughs> a personal loan job, isn't it? You know, £2,000 loan um, in August 1960. And then we sold him to Crystal Palace for a profit. We sold him for £8,000 in June 1962. And I think Palace at that time were also... Um, fourth division material. So um, Peter Burridge, we take our hat off to you, mate. And we we were promoted that season. Just have a look at the league table down the bottom of the, my screen whilst we're talking. And I think we must have finished in the promotion spots. Um, top. Oh, we we won the league. Take it back. We won the league. Um, top of the table, Jim. Champions of the fourth division. I was That's just it. I was just looking as well on that. Um, yeah, top of the league. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And crew crew were. Uh... Crew were a mid-table mediocrity by the looks of it. So um... now I think that season, because um, I noticed uh, in, these are nerdish little points that that strike me sometimes, Jim. Um, we played, we won the league, forty-four games played. Now, if I remember rightly, um, it was a forty-six game season. So I'm going to guess that was the season that Accrington, yeah, Accrington Stanley went out of business, and they would have removed their fixtures from the records. Um, Accrington Stanley resigned on March the 6th. Resigned. They resigned. That's right. Um, resigned. In financial in financial difficulties, I think, was the, the story of the time. And that was the end of Accrington 
who were founder members of the Football League, of course, back in, in 18, uh, 1988. And I think with this game as well, Millwall obviously took out a bit of revenge on crew because back in those days, around the Christmas period, they were like these double headers. Yeah, so, that's a strange thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. So on Boxing Day, it was crew versus Millwall. Okay. And unfortunately, and according to the programme, unfortunately, our boys were without, were without a game over the Christmas period. The match at crew on Boxing Day was postponed. The news of the postponement was not received until our party arrived at crew station, <laughs> along with many back. supporters. <laughs> so we caught the next train back to London. <laughs> Different times. They, they didn't they didn't know until they got there. What, what an awful, awful trip to have to make. Yeah, and in fact, they, oh, you're right. I was just looking. I couldn't see a Boxing Day fixture as you were speaking. Of course, it was rescheduled to February 62. Um, where we lost two one up there at um, at uh, what's the name of their ground, Gresty Road, Gresty Road in Crew. So Road. when you said it's different times, yeah, I was just saying Nick, just before you get onto the team, but you sure. and you mentioned about how times were different in them yeah. days. But let yeah. me just read you something out to see if you recognise this. Yep. Important notice: We have in the past pointed out very strongly, both in the program and over the loudspeaker system, the grave consequences which can ensure from the encroachment of the field by our spectators, both before, <laughs> during, and after the game. During. <laughs> <laughs> The culprits, as we all know, are the teenagers and boys, and it must stop. <laughs> the, the teenagers and boys that were encroaching on the pitch are probably the kind of, um, you know, the old school down our, our club now, aren't they? They'll be in their 70s. It must stop. And, and then it goes, Took a lot of notes to that, Jim, didn't say, it? But it, it goes on to say, we are here and now issuing a final warning. Final. Any teenager or boy, <laughs> or boy comes onto the field of play either before during or after a game, we shall either pen the boys into one section of the ground under strict supervision or compel them to pay the full adult charge. Funnily enough, that was used, I remember in the early 70s, same threat was used then. Um, there was kids kids running on a pitch and that was always the great threat that you'd have to pay the same as the adults to get in. And, you know, I was I was, I was, I was wet behind the ears. I was only about 12 and I remember, oh, blimey, I hope they don't run on the pitch and then I've got to pay whatever it was, 20 pence to get in or something at the time. It was something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, in the, that was in the early 60s. So there's nothing new now. I've got a sense that we could go back to 18... Nothing new. In 1961... 1890, but that's the same. <laughs> oh, dear, nothing changes at the day. And every, everything changes, yet nothing changes, Jim, doesn't it? Yeah. Eh? Um, <laughs> Yeah, there we are. Yeah, so yeah, they, they, those naughty boys never stop running on the pitch, and that threat to um, <laughs> make them pay the same as the adults never took place, and it was repeated all through the sixties and seventies. <laughs> you don't hear it anymore, actually. I don't know, maybe they've, um, <laughs> we don't run on the pitch quite as much as we used to, do we? So the final part says: if you see a boy or youth attempting to get over the wall onto the pitch, please persuade him that it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> persuade him. <laughs> That could go wrong on you badly, couldn't it, down the wall? Would you reconsider your actions? Come back. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, let's have a look at the team. So we've got Davis, goalkeeper, um, Gilchrist, defenders, uh, Pat Brady, I think was his name. Um Obini to Tom Brady, I believe. Or was he a, his name's American quarterback, T Brady. Um, a, no, that was, it was uh, it was Pat Ray, Ray Brady was the other Brady. Ray Brady, so they've got his T here, but anyway, it's a, uh, Brady. Uh, there's Anderson, A. Anderson, um, Joe Broadfoot, who I think. Alan Anderson. Yeah, um, Broadfoot is still, or was still associated as a match day host at the club. Um, I don't know if he is so much now, he must be knocking on. 
Um, Town End, don't know Town End. Cliff Jones, I think it is, isn't it? Striker. Peter Burry. No, no, no. It was uh, Gary. It was Gary Townend and Dave Jones. Dave Jones, excuse me, and and then Peter Burridge we've mentioned, and chap by the name McQuaid, um, and in the wing role. It wasn't really a wing. They're still using the five three two then, Jim. Were they? Or, or, or would it have yeah, changed? two or the two three five formation. Two yeah. three five, yeah. Because um, that's. I mean, when I started playing for school, football at school, that was how we used to they used to line us up. And even then, I knew it was outdated because I knew that Brazil were playing four two four and. Our school teacher was still very much versed in the wing backs and um, you know the, the the revy system and all that kind of thing. So we used to line up for Castlecombe in this um, two three five turnout. No wonder we used to get beat all the time, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I've often wondered what formations would have taken place at this at this point. So nineteen sixty one. So so on the program, is it, does it show a formation or is it just a team list? On yeah, it? yeah, two 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 three five. And uh, although we don't know the crew support the crew player that scored the goal, yeah, I'd, I'd like to give it to their number. 10, 10. Felix Wright. Felix Wright. <laughs> yeah, it should be him, even if it wasn't. Let's, let's, let's make it him. Let's give the goal to Felix. <laughs> Felix the cat. Just actually, just looking through the fixtures for the season, there, there is the expunged fixture. On, it was a couple of weeks before this this game we're talking about, Jim, on the 9th of December, uh, an away win at Accrington Stanley on the 9th of December, 1961, just a couple of weeks before this win over crew. We we went up there at uh, Accrington's ground, Peel Peel Park, in front of just seventeen hundred fans. So maybe that's a little clue as to why that club were in in, in dire straits. They yeah, they went bust. Um uh two goals there, Burridge and Townend. Uh but that that fixture, that win was was removed from the records, which is why we only had forty four games that season. So um there we go. And then Accrington reformed and uh, and they're back in the football league of course uh, under a, a Phoenix kind of club. Randy Omizer. And finally, for this little set of three on the randomizer, um, the number generated for up to the word number 96. So that takes us a, a fair old distance. Well, in actual fact, initially it, it, it drew up 100. I think I mentioned it in my email to you, Jim, didn't I? Um, the, mm. the, the initial one was um, 100, which took us back to the First World War, to uh, 1917. Uh, there wasn't an awful lot of information on that. I've got the. Um, Richard Lindsay book here. Um, so there's an awful lot of information. I'll mention it in that part. Which is the same book I'm looking at. Oh, you're looking at the same book? How about that? This is, we'll make a right old couple, <laughs> yeah. don't we? They're both staring at the, the, the kind of most um, researched book on Millwall history. So um, so that particular weekend, which I'm just looking at, we've got a win over Brentford on the 29th of December, 1917. We'll mention it while we're, while we're talking to each other, Jim. Um, 7-1. What a result. But these were tough times. Um, just four thousand at Cold Blow Lane for that game, um, and you, I mean, I think you've got to say that at that point, the the country was um, was three years into war and into the First World War, Titanic conflict. So just to set a bit of a scene on that particular result, football probably wasn't the uppermost um, issue in most people's minds, sadly, at that time, and. Um, you know, there was still another year of, of of the First World War to go, and and revolution taking place in in Russia. And I don't, I think, from what I've read, um, not far short of it in, in many other countries, including ours as well. So, very very tough times, and football was just a bit of a, a, a almost like a friendly kind of distraction, wasn't it? It was it was not treated with any seriousness. Name of the um. Comp- oh, well, I finished. They finished ninth in the London combination. London combination. So, That's right. There was some kind of league structure going on but uh, 
they I think from memory or from what I've read before that the players they actually played were ones that were ex servicemen that just yeah. rocked up with their boots to fancy the game. I think some Yeah, of the I think it was at that level or if they were passing through and had some time on their hands they could get a game. And I think many clubs almost shared players around themselves just for that purpose. It was mm-hmm. it was a competition. You're you're right, but I don't think it was treated as any kind of um you know, whether you whether you won it or finished last, it was not the. It, you couldn't tell from one game to the next what kind of team you're going to have. So, um, no. I think the same applied in the Second World War as well for for similar reasons. Um, so yeah, so we I, I re I reset the um, uh, the randomizer for that because I thought we we don't have an awful lot of detail on it other than what we know historically. Um, so anyway, it, it threw up number ninety six, another another um, you know another number back in those days. Nineteen twenty, we're going to go back to. Jimmy, back to um, 27th of December, 1920. Mervertown, nil. Millwall, one. In Division 3 South. This was the first season of, of the third Division South. First season of the Football League for us, yeah. Yeah. Previously, we were a Southern League club. Um, and I think we um, we were invited at the end of the first one. I think the Southern League. Um, I don't know. I'll have to find out more about the circumstances to why uh, the Southern League merged itself in with the Football League. Maybe it was just felt to be the right thing to do. But... We went from being um, major players in the Southern League, the Lions of the South, famously, and there's another book that um, uh, you and me probably got as well, Jim, and we became third division division members in the newly formed third division South, um, which was a bit of a come down in in many respects. Again, I'm not sure that it was... um, it was the wisest of moves. Maybe we should have... I mean, it was always this idea that we should have joined the Football League like Arsenal did prior to the First World War, Jim, but we, di- we didn't, and Arsenal did, and, uh, you know, that worked out well for us, and <laughs> great decision. <laughs> but I'm just looking at the the sequence of fixtures, and this is another throwback to a different time, another time, another place. The the home game versus Merva was just two days beforehand on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Yeah, I think they played football Christmas Day up until the, the mid, mid to late 50s. 26,000 turned out on Christmas Day to watch Mill... Mind you, it, it, if you spent all that time with your Lord, you'd go to Millwall, wouldn't you? I'll tell you what, I could have done with a bit of Millwall on Christmas Day. Yeah, it was, it, yeah 26,000 um, for a nil-nil home game on the, on Christmas Day, 25th of December, 1920. And then the reverse fixture, the one that we're looking at, which was a win at Merva Town. Um, a, a, a goal scored by a, a fellow called Broad. I don't, I, don't know his, I don't know his first name. Now, this is Merva Town that we're talking about, as against Merva Tidfill, which is... Um, on the southern, um, I think I, when we had the cup final, um, I think I managed to get accommodation in Merva Tidfield overnight. Um, to, it was just a short drive down the road to Cardiff. I couldn't get into Cardiff. Um, I think it was, you know, I, I, my my nephew with me at the time. And my only memory of Merva Tidfield, I'd never been in a, such a small place with so many pissed people. It was Friday night in, in Merva, and every street corner seemed to have people rolling around under the influence of alcohol. Um, that's my memory of Merva Tidfield. <laughs> Um, but they were a, 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 a Welsh club, and they they went out of business. And I think they still exist, Mervertown, but now in the uh, the, the kind of southern uh, southern league, minor leagues, national league, whatever it's called. Um, That's what they actually, they went out of business in uh, nineteen thirty four, and then reformed in twenty ten as their Phoenix. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're in the they're in the southern league, southern Premier League now. So uh, the Martyrs, they know this. <clears throat> Just looking at the, uh, the Wikipedia uh, page on them. So this was um, our first season in the third division south. We finished that season. Let's have a look at the league table. We finished in seventh position. Crystal Palace won the third division south, guttingly. 
and um, Gillingham finished bottom of the, of the new third division south with, with Brentford. Um, just looking at the team that day, let's wind up here. Jim, where are we? Merva Town, here we are. Uh, Lansdale, goalkeeper. Fault, I think it's Jack Fault, from what I've read. Jack um, Woodley, Stanton, Hodge, McAlpine, Waterall, Moole, uh, Broad, Sutherland and Davis uh, on, on the wing, I guess. Um, not, I mean, Fault I've heard of. I don't know any of those other names at all. I'm not sure they are. Um, standouts in the, in the in the in the kind of Millwall, um, you know, the Mill story. But um, nineteen twenty twenty one season, there we are. We finished we finished seventh, and that was that was the beginning of our football league career, um, which continues all downhill then. from there, really. All downhill from there. <laughs> well, it, it was because I think we were champions of the Southern League. I think we were a major force, weren't we, in the prior to the First World War? But we managed to fuck it up, and I think that's the story of Millwall, isn't it? I mean, we seem to have great opportunities, which we somehow contrived to to. Um, let slip through our fingers, but that's why we love our club, Jim. And I. It is, but I mean, some of the attendances in that period. I know there's the uh, the excitement of playing football, you know, Christmas football Day, league football. yeah, yeah. You know, twenty six thousand. There's loads of twenty five thousands, twenty five thousand. I'm seeing, yeah. And I suppose they're. I mean, they are all to the nearest thousand these attendances, but you know. Yeah, I think they would. Right, I'm to get twenty six thousand at home to Murphy Tidbuilding. Well, I mean, you wouldn't get them in there now, would you? I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd only get barely um, fifteen thousand if if there was such a, an excitement over playing Murphy Tidville, Murphy Town, rather. But um, yeah, different times, um, and you know, the, the the clubs. I suppose there was a sense that this was the new the new way forwards. Um, the football league was where it was at. And um, we were now part of it. Um, I think it took us. I think we, we didn't get promoted out of the third division to about the mid twenties, late twenties. There was a no. there was an all conquering side, wasn't there? I think the late twenties, the twenty seven side. And we managed to get ourselves. We won the won the league that year, and I think we got promoted. Was it twenty six, twenty seven, something like that? Um, and into the second division, which um, and for the rest of our our days, we would shuttle between um, the second division, the third division, and then the fourth division in time until that glory season that we mentioned. At the start, yeah, we, had a, we had a knack of uh, we had a knack of coming third in the league, and in end days, third didn't go up. No, that's right. No, uh, we're specialists in third place. Maybe that should be our new. 20, yes, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. We we went up to the division two. Maybe that should be our new club motto, Jim. <laughs> we come third. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, Jimmy Webb. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it, mate. No problem, mate. That's our that's our three randomizers. Nice to go back and remember the times. I'm Frank- going to Google Robbie Cook now to just make sure he had some curly hair. <laughs> but David Byrne, I mean, well, he had a curly head style. Well, David Byrne as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's do this again, Jim. It's good. Nice one, mate. I enjoyed it. Hope you did yeah. too. And um, big thank you to Jimmy Webb for this week's randomizer section. Many thanks, Jim. Cheers, mate. No problem. And I'm not going away with some dirty You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.